Welcome to the Weekly Notebook Review. I am Robert McGrorty. This podcast takes on a bit of a different format where we are live each week on Twitter Spaces. I crack open my notebook and review Hedgeye research with anyone who wants to learn a better way to invest. We feature both Hedgeye power users as well as some special guests that might pop in. If you want to learn more about our research, visit Hedgeye.com. If you'd like to participate in the live stream, follow me on Twitter at HedgeyeRJM. Now, let's review the data. Welcome to another episode of Weekly Notebook Review. How you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, I can't complain. Yeah, just a, another marathon. Uh, just another marathon evening of work and ten-year-old uh, gymnastics. <laughs> Is that the uh, life I have in front of me, Mitchell? I suspect so. <laughs> we uh, both my son and daughter love gymnastics. So. You're, uh, I missed you. I, I must have a bad signal. Oh, that's okay. I just was saying, um, my both my son and daughter love gymnastics. Yeah, this this one is uh, we're we're switching. We're most likely switching to a new gym, okay. uh, and these go from I don't know three and a half hours a couple days a week to four hours four days a week. Most oh, likely, wow. we haven't made a decision yet, but we'll see. Wow, that is that'll be it, that'll be intense, but I'm sure well worth. It. I know your daughter loves her gymnastics, but um, we can. Why don't we get into it? Uh, glad to have you on, Mitchell. I know it's been a couple of weeks since you've been able to attend, so thrilled to be able to see a lot of friendly faces out there. So thanks everyone uh, who was able to join. Um, we greatly appreciate it. It is uh, a little after four thirty on January eighteenth. Of 2023, we are uh, about a dozen games into uh, the year here in 2023, and uh, S&P had a red day, down one, a little over one half percent. We are continuing to see quad four on the board, and that is the sig- that is the signal. That is what we're seeing. Uh, Keith certainly. Uh, coach, you know, kind of shored up, uh, was certainly sending some signals to shore up the the net exposure going into the close. Yeah, it's still leaning, you know, pretty heavily tilted on the short side, so lower from here with uh, five longs in RTA to 22 shorts. But at the end of the day, he was definitely very clear in his coaching notes. I think from, you know, the first red day, it sort of get – Get the position. We were we were leaning pretty heavy uh, here, right, uh, Mitchell? I think you actually dropped, but that's okay. We we're leaning pretty heavy short, and this was a, a good opportunity with uh, you know some of our core shorts to sort of uh, move them from either mid from from mid max range down to uh, whatever the equivalent would be, right? So taking some off the board, there's uh, a lot left to go lower in in the risk range uh, risk ranges. But really another a good opportunity here uh, as we went into the close just to kind of, again, you know, there is there is some momentum to the upside, at least in the very immediate term basis, not even really, you know, for, you know kind of on the, on the trade side of things. So good to kind of just take that opportunity to uh, kind of quasi reposition the book or kind of just give yourself a little bit of extra bullets, a little extra ammo uh, over the next few days, few weeks, whatever it might, might, might be. Uh, the the S and P certainly uh, kept kissing that four thousand range. Uh, I think it kind of tweaked just above it, almost got right to the top of Keith's uh, risk range there. Uh, I think it, it really it really did. It was uh, four thousand fourteen, spot one six was the high, 
Uh, so I think you guys all know what the uh, top of the wrist range was. It's uh, it's a beauty when those fractal gods and Floki all work together. So uh, it definitely kind of was hovering up there and then just immediately went down to that 394 range and kind of just kept sticking around there. So I'm not an options guru. I, I don't really do, uh, you know, if anybody's got zero dated questions, um, you are certainly better suited to find a, another spaces or another podcast, but uh, we can talk a lot of different things like signal strength and everything in between, right? The notebook. So uh, that 394 level seems to be kind of uh, where it's stuck at uh, stuck right now. And, uh, and we'll see what, uh, what tomorrow brings, but, you know, Mitchell, I don't know, you know, oftentimes trends here and we kind of, you know, pass it to him, but I don't know if you have a better connection now, buddy. And if you do happy to kind of let you run through some things that you were, uh, interested in going into, you know, throughout today or some changes from, from the weekend to today, whatever you wish, I can also give a, a rundown, um, as well, but just want to open it up to you where you haven't been on for, for a couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know if my signal's better. Can you hear me a uh, little bit better? Much better. All right. So um, I, around the horn, I, I, I mean, I, I did a little bit of what Keith was doing a little bit uh, in line and a little before uh, he was doing it. Um, I was taking a little bit off the table on my financial short, a little off the table on my uh, Russell short. I was adding a little bit to um, – XLU, SPLV, I did not, I did not touch my ITA position. Um, uh, I, I bought a little XLV, um, bought a little gold and a little S, uh, and a little SLV. I, I, I did sell my VXX position, uh, large in part, uh, similar to what Keith said, you and I have had this discussion with uh, X2. I do not like those vehicles, but at the same time, I did want to try to take a position where I could uh, capture some of the upside from uh, what we would have, what most of us consider the, um, you know, uh, beach ball being, you know, plowed under the water. Um, I've gotten a lot of uh, DMs, texts, etc., from some people. Um, stay with the anxiety of you know. Oh my God, is this you know? Is this the uh, you know another one of those rallies? Uh, you know, another one of those rallies like we saw back in you know April of last year, August of last year, etc. Um, I think one thing to point out to those who might be uh, wondering if that's the case. Um, you know, or the signal didn't catch it or whatever it might be. Uh, my simple point was, I don't, I don't think the signal was broken on, you know, GLD, GDX, SLV, SLIV, uh, 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 you know, uh, the silver miners, the gold miners, et cetera. I think it's many of us, I think we, we want to be more bearish. We want to express that more bearish position in holdings because we see the data coming in and the data just looks abysmal. Um, at the same time, I think we have to keep ourselves in check to our rules and our process um, to not get too far over our skis too quickly. Um, I've seen some tweets from uh, some of us in Hedge I Nation who have been talking about being uh, grossly you know, short to the point where they're past uh 
past their rules, right? I, I would just caution some people on, on those rules. Um, stick to your rules. The rules are there for a reason, even though we think that the market's about to get absolutely annihilated and smoked and the, you know, earnings from Goldman and, you know, KB Holmes and you name it are uh, uh, JB Hunt. They're showing what we believe. The markets don't always have to react to that right away, especially around calendar events such as um, OPEX with VIX options, OPEX with uh, Friday, I believe, uh, is third Friday of the month is, is OPEX Friday or am I wrong? Yeah, that's correct. It's the twentieth. Yeah, so yeah, so I think Friday. So you have so you have a couple OPEX events, um, you know, and and I think I threw out a tweet the other day. It's all over, but the crying and shouting, right? I, I, you know, when you get to points like this where you see things as blatantly as we're seeing them, you know, they can they can only defy gravity for so long, in my opinion. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that you get too far over your skis. So. Um, I still think, well, I don't think, uh, you know, look at the risk ranges. There's a lot of, there's still a lot more room to the downside in many of these names, but simply risk managing the positions, as you noted, we would take a little bit off our, off the table and, you know, short positions, we would book some of those gains as in, you know, Keith writing some in all caps. And, you know, I did buy some incrementally on some of the longs that I have that are balancing the book. I, would have loved to have not been as short a day ago, but at the same time, you, you know, I, I wasn't too crazy. I still have a ton of room too short and I still have a, a room to, to add more to the long position. So just remember your rules, stick to your rules. We, we, this market is Moves that we're seeing right now for those who have been through this for a long time, and I've been doing this for 26, 27 years now, um, moves like this don't happen unless you're in a, a, what Hedgeye defines as a quad four. That's what the volatility is, whether it be up or down. Um, so, you know, just stick to your rules, stick to the incremental movements, stick to the risk ranges. Uh, and I know that the top ends have been moving higher but we know that that can happen from the three times it happened last year, which is why incremental is the key word. Incremental, patience being an asset allocation. The, most of the guys or many of the guys I talk to like hold on to these words very uh, staunchly because things like this could happen. So, um, you know, don't let your emotions get over you. And I know you don't, Robert. I'm just saying to, to some of those listening who might have a little bit of uh, – blood and stool yeah no exactly and, and <clears throat> the other thing to note again it's all about perspective i mean the year to date as of this morning s&p was up a little under four percent right so with this move lower um i've got it at around uh wait, wait. Got around a little over two percent now. Uh, sorry, that's on a one month. So on a on a year to date basis, yes, it's about two two and a third. Um, so again, it's it's not like we're up ten percent. I think he right. uh, he this, mentioned this is, that this morning, right? It's like this this is it is a rally, right? We're we're positive for the last month and positive year to date, but it's not exactly like it's a face ripping rally. So I, I am a little again. I, I I've seen similar tweets myself in terms of. 
you know, what, what's happening out there, you know, the guys are getting a little bit bigger than they probably should, should have been certainly. And, and I know Keith, you know, took it to a very extreme level of, or not extreme level, sorry, the, he, he extended it, you know, the, the, the list of RTA shorts was quite, quite robust, right. To say the least. And, and that yeah. tilt was pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, and, and that happened, you know, late last week. So it's one of those things where, yeah, I get that, but you, you also have to kind of understand that, you know, he's touching those positions, you know, if, even if you put all those positions on at, at kind of the minimum or maybe mid sizing, you know, when you hit the button twice, you know, you really shouldn't, you really shouldn't, you know, you should be seeing the fact that there's kind of some momentum coming uh, in the interim and, and we're at the kind of top end of the ranges. Uh, but then you got to kind of peel the onion back and, and look at the, where those trend ranges are. And I know, we, you know, they're not always provided, but that's really one of, you know, we've talked about this a number of times, especially with, with Chris Moyer, who I see is listening in from the UK, you know, over, nice. overlaying, you know, the X, XLK, you know, trade immediate term range that we get in the morning with the, you know, trend range. Um, I'm just using that as an example, right? Because I know we have it on both sides, the trend range from ETF pro. And that gives you a really, a really good indication as to, you know, where those, where those, uh, you know, it just a, 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 a helps with, with entry. And um, that's, yeah. So I, I agree. I, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's also important, Robert, to, to note everything that you, I agree with everything that you said, but also in the macro pro, Keith has, and on the, the, uh, and on, uh, Keith has been very firm with talking about his longs, right? So, you know, while he hasn't, and he, I think he does a pretty damn good job of letting us know where he is from a net short net, you know, net positioning, you know, he was only net, I want to, I know he was net 10, he was net 14, maybe 15 at most, even with all of those shorts, because he does have, or he did have the miners on, he does have, you know, ITA, XLU, XLV, you know, he, he does have some of the names in the macro pro that I won't say on here just because they're not, you know, uh, they're, they're for the macro pro users and not everybody in here might be a macro pro guy. Right. So it, in, even with him being as short with as many names as he was short, he still wasn't crazy short from net, positioning perspective yeah i mean am i right yeah, no exactly he takes it to you know his max net short is minus 25 percent um right i had his max i had his max net short at minus 12 point 12 12.1 oh, is what i had it at but yep um it basically yeah so it's been kind of in those low teens call it right um uh, yeah. from anyway so it's been low teens so yeah exactly um that's exactly yeah, right i think i i got his i think i was negative 18 to 20 net short and then in adding some positions today and trimming a few shorts i i came on down to maybe 15 or 14 so maybe i was a little bit more yeah him, no, but, and, not but much. again so, like everybody can do it their own way right like you can right. express it however you wish and exactly. and we absolutely see you know the data as you mentioned is rolling in and it is we keeps getting weaker and weaker and we've got exactly. you know the fed meetings uh on the on the first of February, which is in, in approximately two two weeks, uh, no, it's ex- actually exactly two weeks, isn't it? Uh, so yes, yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Um, so it's in two weeks, and the so that's on the horizon. But again, we we've, there's a lot the, the data that keeps rolling in. Uh, you're you're continuing to get 
uh, data coming in from December, you'll then, you know, in about shortly after the Fed meeting, you'll, you'll start to get the data in for January, right? So it's, it's uh, you know, we see exactly what's happening. This earnings recession is absolutely, um, you know, the, the, the data and the numbers are absolutely rolling in. You, you mentioned, uh, Mitchell, about Goldman Sachs, right, and what they reported, down 70 you know, percent revenues, I believe the number was. And yeah, seven yep. Yeah. So it, it's again, you know, the he is not even about the short dated mechanics because I, I think, you know, you you've got at the end of the day we are, you know, we combine the quads with momentum trading for lack of a better word, right? So, you know, we we absolutely, you know, we're trend you know, we leverage the, the trend levels and trend signals and trade levels from an immediate term standpoint in order to help us with, you know, picking the best inventory that are winners and shorting those that are losers. And so again, we just have to be conscientious of the fact that, you know, sometimes that momentum, um, you know, from our, from the signal, right. It, it you know, we, it's still a really hard game and, you know, yes, it's the markets up, you know, whatever, two and a, two and a third percent uh, year to date. But it's also uh, da- down massively, right? <laughs> Going back, if you you know look back, uh, even just from the uh, August highs, right? So it's it's uh, yeah. So anyway, it, it there's a lot going on here. Uh, I I think we need to uh, the the big things that I have written down in my notebook that I'd love to now that trend, you know, especially trends up here as well. Uh, the the Global rates environment to me is one that really stands out and certainly is a signal that was shifting last week and continues to uh, maintain that signal uh, as we have had only like two two days here in the, in the U.S. because it's a shorter week. But that's something that I really wanted to uh, review with everybody today was kind of, you know, certainly U.S. 10-year um, in particular, along with kind of what's happening in um, the the in, in in the the British ten years well you know basically you know Japan et cetera et cetera uh, the other thing too and I thought this was really interesting as of this morning was certainly uh, oil and where that risk range was in in regards to the trend line which Keith mentioned so would wanted to touch base on commodities because I think they these in terms of you know getting a, a grasp as to where we're headed um, the dollar rates and commodities are really going to be uh, key pivot or key points of interest and key points to be uh, be very aware of as we move um, deeper into quad four and certainly in these points in time where you know the I believe Chris has shared um, some of the quad baskets I think I saw that from him um, a couple of days ago or over the weekend or something like that and and that's that, that's interesting they kind of all came back to relatively level playing field here, AKA kind of like, you know, zero returns. And, and yet today the quad four basket uh, was an outperformer. It was up uh, about kind of 14 bips versus uh, quad one down a hundred and quad two basket down 120 basis points. So uh, today was uh, a squarely quad four uh, performance day. And, and so, yeah, so just keeping track again, those are, are great ways of, reviewing uh, kind of what's what's hap- what's happening out there in terms of overall portfolio allocations and, and what's performing. Yeah. Robert, if we, I mean, if we stick to our notebooks, it, yeah. you know, this morning, this morning circled in my notebook, I, I try to note top ends of the ranges, middle ends, of, or if they're middle or close to the bottom ends of the ranges. And, you know, XLK was at 131 versus a 132 top end of the range. Mm-hmm. ITA, 
on the other hand, was at 111 with a 110 low end of the range, right? So mm -hmm. we bought ITA today. We, you know, we were shorting XLK the past couple of days, right? Mm -hmm. You had Microsoft 240 versus 243, 135 versus 137 for Apple. If you look at the up-down ratios, they were, you know, 7, 7 to 8% with 1.3 up. So mm -hmm. everything that we looked at from, you know, the notebook perspective should give you a very good idea as to where things are from a from an up down ratio, um, you know, 0.6 up to 5.1 downside in the S and P, one percent up to 8.1 downside on Nasdaq. Russell was 0.9 up to 8.7 on the downside, right? So, if you're keeping track of it, which I know you are very diligently, you know it. You you know that the bottom ends of the ranges based upon the moves aren't necessarily going to come up very much based upon as you've taught me or tried to teach me, the 30-day look back kind of falls out, right? So the bottom ends aren't going to come up much. The top ends might move a little bit. So you're, the more you have a little bit of up in markets, the, you know, you, you, the more incrementally you get to the top ends of the ranges, the less the top end is going to move and the bottom end is going to, going to remain the same. So you know, I understand where all the anxiety was coming from, but if you're keeping an eye on the notebook and you're circling these things, keeping keeping good tabs on it, you should have a pretty decent setup from that standpoint just by, you know, staying in the notebook. Yeah, 100%. The other one uh, is XLU. I mean, that, that signal is definitely, yep. it continues to gain strength and, and you know, hit the button on that today as well. And yeah, I wasn't, I had that. wasn't expecting, yeah, that one to get the bottom of the risk range, but it did. That's exactly right. Yeah. I had that one morning at the middle of middle of the range yeah, exactly. exactly. but, but you know it, as soon as you see it fall off where it fell off with the move in interest rates you know there's there there you are picking that one up so yeah, and, you know and, and the other one that got started on my, it. the other one that got started on my side is the lower high on the, on the russell right so i wasn't really expect, yep. expecting that one um yep. certainly coming into the day given the price strength that has been occurring in the russell over the last sort of you know couple, you know week or so week week or two and yep. that lower high really, again, just sort of um, you see that on the page. And um, now, again, it's a higher low. So that's, you know, a, a consolidating risk range to, to use um, to the proper terminology. But uh, yep. that lower high is definitely an, an early indication or an indication of, of, of many. You know, you really want to have, um, you know, you want to see kind of it positive on low volume. And then um, you want it to be down on, on accelerating volume. And sorry. Yeah. And but, I mean, even keeping an eye on XLK, though, like XLK, yeah. I think, is like seven days now where 119 is the low end of the range. Yeah. Right. You had, you had a low, you had a lower high on S&P at 4014 down from 4018, you know, and then if you get into the tech complex, you know, you had uh, Amazon, which had, you know, which the high uh, was the same today. Uh, Facebook. Even though that's been moving higher, the the lower end was still uh, remained 123. The higher end on Google remained at 93 for the last three or four days. 343 on Netflix is you know the high looks like it's stalling a little bit. So again, as you guys as you guys push and and I would echo, I I I've been since keeping a notebook a year and a half now. It, it's it's paramount if you want to look at it more from a um, if you want to be more strict to a process as opposed to just trying to be willy nilly with it. Yep, I would absolutely agree.
All right, Trent. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. Thanks for, for joining. Hey, can you hear I me? I can. I can. Welcome. Okay, awesome. Yeah. What? Great. So, a few key highlights. Uh, you know, I hope uh, everybody had a good start to the new year. And I understand that uh, it was painful, especially for the short book uh, with the recent uh, rally. It uh, wasn't as bad as the uh, summer rally, which we had, which lasted for almost seven weeks. Um, this one lasted just for two to three weeks. We're seeing some signs of the rally giving up steam uh, from a trend strength perspective, as well as some of the levels. Uh, but this goes back to showing... Uh, if you recall back even in August when we had the sort of frustration in the community about, hey, why, uh, you know, it seems like all the shorts are not working and we're in the new bull run and we're in the new Fed pivot and whatever. This is almost like fifth time that I'm listening to the Fed pivot discussion from the broader crowd. And this is part of the reason why I want to emphasize two things. Number one is visual charts are very convenient when somebody wants to understand the data at one shot or one when one wants some sort of representation rather quickly charts may not be the best way to express your trading so for example if you talk to anybody in renaissance technologies uh, or in any of the quant funds uh, they use charts only for a quick glance uh, and not necessarily to drive their trading decisions. So very important concept when uh, when somebody's trying to push for charts or things like that. Uh, just keep in mind there are certain rules that you can codify out of that, that, hey, on a five-minute basis, if your stock's starting to make new lows, then they can, there seems to be some sort of a supply and things like that. On the contrary, some people might argue that, hey, SPX rejected was rejected by the 200 moving average so on and so forth and it could be a self-fulfilling prophecy so i'm not here to debate or discuss about whether charts work or not but i just want to give a notion of that as the first aspect the second aspect i want to highlight is uh again back in august i had discussed about a concept where uh when market makers the large ones the top three ones when they see a flow coming be it on the buy side or be it on the sell side uh, they tend to withdraw their asks and bids accordingly. That's what we saw here in terms of what happened when liquidity was coming through in, into the market in general uh, for all the uh, specific names which were impacted the most by tax loss selling. And that's why if you look at both the short interest factor while doing factor analysis, as well as the worst performer of prior year factor, uh, both of those factors were outperforming the rest of the factors uh, hands down for the last 10 trading sessions. So those two aspects meant the following, that number one, if you're trying to express your short, then you have to be cautious and conscious about these two factors and do the position sizing accordingly. Number two uh, is that while creating these, depending upon your risk tolerance and depending upon how you want to express your position, you could do it either as direct short, which I believe most 
of community members tend to find that as rather straightforward and attractive. Or you could do in a defined uh, risk manner using put debit verticals or, you know, some other facets and options. And, and I understand some folks may have restrictions around whether or not they can use options, especially for RIA accounts, whether or not they can use options for their customers. So having said that, um, I find I found at least for the last 13 months that uh, the use of options and uh, some folks might think that I use options as my primary strategy. That's not the truth. Um, long time ago, I think exactly 12 months ago, uh, I did an interview with Rob where I presented my core satellite strategy. I do have a core which has U.S. international equities, U.S. international bonds uh, in form of ETFs. And then I have a bunch of satellites. So the max allocation I give to my option satellite is 10 to 12%. And that means that uh, I don't go past that weightage. Um, and in that weightage, I'm willing to lose almost 50% in that satellite. Um, so those are a couple of things I want to clarify. Now, what's popping up on my notebook? Uh, I've shared in the tweet nest the crypto, uh, the overall short squeeze basket or short interest factor. I've shared a list of stocks, about 100 plus of them in that screenshot or how many came in that screenshot, uh, which had more than 10% short interest and were down more than 25%. So as I mentioned, two factors, right? Bad performance, one year past as well as a high short interest, that basket for four consecutive sessions was up more than two and a half percent. So pretty much think about some of these stocks literally went up uh, 20, 30, in some case, even 100 uh, percent. And today that basket was down. Um, yesterday, that ba basket was kind of petering out. Uh, Friday, it was strong. Uh, but yesterday was where uh, some cracks started emerging, which kind of indicated that the liquidity chasing these stocks is um, flustering. We're also seeing some fundamental outcomes. Uh, that's the, that's the next point. Uh, for example, Discover Financial Services just now reported they had a strong revenue growth momentum. But as Josh shared, uh, Josh had shared with us about the charge-offs, so the story on the credit cards, uh, especially the ones which take the risk of, uh, meaning they are not just the network, but they are also having the issuer. Uh, portion of the overall value chain are going to have some sort of impact. And this impact will go and reflect in certain banks as well. So keep in mind, Discover, unlike Visa and MasterCard, is also an issuer, which means that they do take balance sheet risk. Visa and MasterCard are simply the networks, uh, meaning they're the processor. They're, they're simply uh, closing that transaction or settling that transaction, they're not necessarily carrying the credit on their books. So uh, Discover in the after hours was hammered down almost 6 or 8%. Today, anyways, for the day, it was down 2%. So in effect, it has gone down to almost 96. Uh, yesterday, it closed at 106 or something. Um, so we'll see more of that happening in specific names. I think worse impacted would be Capital One. So that's the other part popping up on my notebook. Uh, I'm still holding some underwater shorts <laughs> uh, in XRT, XLY, Edzio, SPT. That's not the one that we have discussed in the community. Sprout, uh, Sprout Social is a software short, which I hold, Pool and Charter. So these are some of the names which are underwater shorts for me, uh, which means that uh, I'm having unrealized losses on them. 
Uh, I'm optimistic about the SPT one. I think eventually it will fall unless it gets bought out by Vista or by Toma Bravo, as well as another short, which is Zoom Info. Uh, in international, uh, I covered my dollar shorts, uh, except for my yen long. So uh, I do have yen long um, going. I had it partially for the event, which went last night. Nothing happened. I mean, there was a little bit of, a, uh, you know, pop, uh, meaning yen was weaker. But then it started stranding back again by the morning time. So within 12 hours, there was a big recovery. Um, so that's on the international front. Um, I am underwater with some of the European shores, specifically with Austria, as well as Germany and Italy. Um, so those three shorts for me on international front are underwater. Um, but I'll look to increasing probably from mid to max uh, on those names if the uh, signal shows me the right way. I know that uh, from a hedge perspective, uh, for them, the trend has changed on those names. So uh, I understand uh, if their viewpoint is completely different than what I hold. Uh, my viewpoint is more from a credit standpoint. So I'm holding these put verticals, which are April or summer dated. Um, so we'll see what happens on those fronts. So um, those are all of my updates, Rob. Um, I know I didn't discuss bonds that much, but uh, I'll pop in as something relevant comes up. Back to you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, good, good summation. And uh, we, we spoke last week on, on Europe, and, and uh, although the signal's currently kind of moving against us, right, with the DAX being a bullish trend at this point in time in terms of what we get regularly, but uh, the European construct in terms of trying to uh, front run that signal a little bit, you know, I, 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 there's, uh, to your point, trend, and we've talked about this a couple of times, but the, the credit environment <clears throat> in Europe certainly looks like that's a big canary in the coal mine. So, um, you know, I, I, I would, uh, I'm there alongside you, buddy, is I guess what I'm trying to say. <laughs> a little underwater, though. A little underwater. But luckily, I can tread water pretty good, Trent. So, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, Palmer. Uh, welcome, bud. Did you have anything to add from, from Trent's side of things? or? No, I was actually on... Uh... By the way, hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, bud. Um, it, it was actually on what Mitch said oh, perfect. earlier. Um, I couldn't talk at the time, and I, I just wanted to reiterate what he said. I love it. Let's do it. Ed was yeah, brought on, and you know, we talked a little bit last week with Tim about you know how you know how and when you know on you know position sizing. Yeah. And um, you know, one of the things that you know Keith always says is get better, <laughs> and you know. So if, if you're struggling over the last week or two, then how are you getting better? You know, the, you know it's like Mike T always says, the goal is to make money. If you're not making money or you went too early, there's got to be a reason for it. So one of the things I went back and did, you know, over the weekend was just kind of not wholesale change, but big changes on that tightened me up in terms of and disciplined me more, even in my existing rules on, you know, position sizing and such. And had I done that, what I adjusted to over the weekend over the last couple of weeks today would have been really good. Today wasn't bad. I mean, it was, it was, it was green day and you know, things are looking up from here, but um, you know, it was much better than what I did in August in August. I got my face ripped off because you know the world was coming to an end and I was assured that I was correct. And it wasn't, 
and um, you know, but when when we think about you know full cycle and where we're at, I mean, no matter what happened over the last couple of weeks, I don't think there's anyone that follows the hedge eye process that, that subscribes to all the resources that hedge eye has to offer. Who sits here and goes, you know, the bottom of that market was probably last week. It's just not. And and over a full cycle duration, we got to still get there. Even if you went a little earlier over the last couple of weeks, if your position sizing is right and your discipline's right, at the end of the day, you're going to come out of this on the right side. So that's just the thing that I think you just need to keep reminding yourself is it's just to be disciplined. And, and if you're not disciplined enough, then discipline yourself even more until you get it right. Yeah. And one of the big things I took away there, uh, Andrew, is, is you know, you're going to hear it consistently, right? We're, we're putting in weekend work. And if you're not doing that or even just a little bit after market close or whenever you can, it doesn't have to be after market close. You can literally be for 35, 40 minutes in the evening, uh, you know, after dinner, kids go to bed and what have you. Right. So, you know, yep. put the, uh, totally. you, know, don't, you know, you can, it's not like, uh, again, you know, you can, you can still watch the ball game or whatever on, on, you know, on your iPad or wh- whatever it is, you know, you still, you still have it on in the background and you can still enjoy your time and, and, and sort of, you know, rejuvenate, but also take that time and energy that those, those, those few moments in the day or, or what have you to, um, to, to, review right to review and, and wow. tra- trends trends mentioned this a lot i know i mean many i've spoken many times with many folks within the community where you know the the journal right and and there's a combination of the notebook and then the journal and the journal is something that i i don't do diligently and i need to get a lot better at it uh in terms of like the decision making for that day uh you know i'm quite 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 good in the notebook side of things uh and tra- you know tracking that kind of stuff but i need to get better at the journaling side and and but anyway, but my point is, is, is what you hear, what you're what I'm hearing is everyone, all three of you, um, you know, and, and many that are listening in on this, because I, 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 I know it for a fact, because I, I get I have DMs from you and texts and all that kind of stuff. And, and there's a lot of weekend work, there's a lot of evening work, there's a lot of morning work, right? And, and, you know, whether you've got a full time job, like you do Palmer and, and trend, or you do this professionally, or, or, you know, if you're so lucky to be in my seat where I get, I get to do, I get to do this and it's a hell of a heck of, it's a heck of a lot of fun, baby. Uh, so, um, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, no, I mean, it's, and, that's the, that's the know, point what, though, right? It's like, you know, I think it's really what, important. Well, and I think that, I think the overarching point that sits over the top of all of this is, is if you're struggling, you know, own it and be more self-reflective of why you're struggling, yeah. you know? I mean, that, that's the key. I mean, that's what all this journaling and everything else is. It's what it's all about is, you know, how do you get better? And, you know, that's anytime I'm read it, I, I don't point fingers at Keith. He didn't press my buttons. Yeah, I mean, I did. I, I lost the grand last. I lost the grand in options, short dated options last week. And, I, you know, it's like uh, that was really fucking stupid. <laughs> and and, and uh, that was really yeah it was really dumb and uh, i should have been better and i should have just kept shorting rather than going to the because i wasn't at my max but i thought i was fucking really smart and it was like i can i can play the other side of these like zero dated like calls that everybody that, that the market's got and uh that didn't work out so hot so i own that i looked at i reviewed that over the weekend and guess what I didn't put on a short date option yesterday. I put on a March option and you know, that's working out a lot, a lot better for the majority for the, for this kid. Uh, so, you know, it's just reflecting and understanding. Okay. Like what, what's your process, but 
Uh, I'm glad, uh, you know, I, I, I look forward to hearing some of those tweaks. I think that's, uh, that's really cool. And, and, and anybody who's doing this, you're going to keep tweaking it over time. And um, if you're doing that currently, then kudos, like, well done, keep at it and just keep, keep, keep adjusting, getting better. The, uh, you did say something that, uh, but now I'm drawing a blank as what it was. You said one other thing that I want to touch base on, but uh, that's okay. I see. Well, sorry, go ahead. There's one, one other yeah, thing I just want to throw out with regard to the notebook and what I, you know, the thing that was really kind of glaringly important, I thought at the end of the day, is the dollar. I mean, it, we, we've, we had that kind of movement today off, you know, bad PPI, bad retail, and the dollar just kind of stayed still if that thing comes back to life good night irene good night irene i mean it's a wrecking ball and it, and it and it will come and you know i struggle to believe how it won't especially if all this when boj gets gets tired of fucking around with everything they're screwing with and they figure out they're just a bug waiting for a windshield which they are i mean there, there's more there's more pain here so just stay the course Chris, you jumped up. The one point that – Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Mitchell. Sorry. No, you're good. Just, just one point that Andrew brings up uh, said a different way. You own your own duration, right? So that's that's the beauty of each, each individual process. I think my point was more so just stick to your guns, stick to your process. If you set your limits, just be wise to them. So that's all. I, 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 I wasn't singling uh, Andrew out. Trust me, I got many a DM. <laughs> so, oh man, I, I, I never felt singled out at all. All right, all right. I, I hope you don't think so, Andrew. I, no, no, I was just, I would, I just appreciated your, I was just, I appreciated. No, your and, and that was were spot on. I think, and that was actually yeah. what I wanted to highlight. Sorry, thank you, Mitchell, for bringing that up. That's exactly right. Uh, you, you, you've got to understand your portfolio construction, right, and your duration, and, and what. And, exactly and again, right. and, and your tolerance and, and if the, if the move, if your position, your decision-making cause you to be uncomfortable in the last week or week and a half, you know, then you need to reassess those, deci- those decisions made. And next time you're in that situation, make it a different situation. Just like if you play, if you play any sport, right. Or you're doing anything, uh, right. anything, you know, you're building a house, you're doing whatever you're doing, you know, on a you know, professional level, this is a professional game. This is a really hard game. And so if you're making decisions that aren't going, uh, that, that is making you uncomfortable or that in hindsight you realize were not the right decisions in that moment of time, then uh, reassess and uh, try to be better and, and work to be better. It's, you're not going to get better out of the gate. I, uh, I screwed up in August and I screwed up again last week. And, but guess what? I'm getting better. And it's, it's all about, uh, as, as Palmer said, being self-reflective and, making sure that you are uh, owning your mistakes and owning and working to get better. Uh, you know, I had a conversation, I see David Salem listening in and we were talking about Mandelbrot and, and the trend in trade lines. And, uh, and, and, <laughs> and he shared some, some things with me that is going to get, make me better. It's going to make me better uh, when I get to them over this weekend on my flight down to Miami. And so it's, I'm ex- I'm really excited about that. And you just got to, you know, again, surround yourself. You know, this is what these, you know, this, I don't want this to sound, you know, it's a little bit of a plug because I'm really excited about the event, but the, these regional events from Hedgeye, if you're part of the Hedgeye community and, and you're, whether you're new or a veteran, whether you're running, you know, $100,000 or whatever, $10,000, $100,000 or $100 million or $10 billion, 
you know, the, the, the mindset remains the same and the people are absolutely phenomenal to be around. And that's, and I've said this multiple times that it's one of the best parts of these events is that you get, you know, you bring these conversations and you get to have them in uh, a more intimate setting and face to face. And everyone is there to help lift you up and, and basically make everybody better. That's what these, that's why these calls are, are, are really, really, really cool. And I'm excited to be, down in Miami and to, to have another regional uh, coming up on Tuesday next week. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I know uh, I, I saw the list yesterday and there's, there's a lot of awesome friendly faces that are going to be there that I'm very excited to, uh, to see and have a drink with and, you know, talk over coffee and shoot, uh, shoot the shit basically. Um, but it's uh, having a focus on process, right? Right, Mitchell. I know you're going to be down there. We may have lost him, but that's right. Well, uh, I know, Chris, you came up when I was talking about journaling, and I know that's something that you do. I don't know if that's why you came up to speak. Hey, but, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can. Nice. Um, it wasn't specifically on journaling. It was something okay. um, It was something I, th- I was thinking about. This has turned into a bit of a kumbaya session, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, I guess it's okay, right? Like, I don't know. <laughs> But I guess, yeah, so I guess we've had a we've had a red day today, so maybe it's maybe that's off the cards. But I was thinking about it this morning while I was walking the dog and a few people have said they've kind of don't have the time to you know, to go through the books as much as maybe some people are and I was thinking about it today and you don't get on the football pitch and start asking questions of the players around you of like so how do you do this? What do you do that? That was kind of my thought. And if you don't have the time to spend as much time in front of the screen or understanding the signals or, you know, doing your own work, then, you know, I said this when we came in January 2022. I said, if we if you get through t- 2022 at zero, meaning like no losses and no gains, you're going to beat 95% of everyone, of, of everyone around you. And I think now, like now is not the time to learn how to short. If you don't have the time to sit and go through the books, take what time you do have, go back on the website and start watching like old macro shows or early looks from like quad two, let's say 2017 or early 2018 or 2021 and start reading the kind of mistakes that people were making in quad two, i.e. selling things too early, so that eventually when that time comes, you've already done the groundwork. Because if you're coming in here now, and, you know, I'm not saying people can't get things wrong, but if you're getting trapped, if you're getting like trapped in these kind of things now in shorting, now is probably not the time to be learning how to short. That should have been like two or three years ago that's when the reps were getting put in. So if you genuinely don't have the time to be in front of the screen and doing this, then take what little downtime you do have and go and learn how to do things about quad two, you know, go back in the old stuff that's in there. Listen to like the old versions of these, if you can listen to like our old videos that we made when that was going on. And we were talking about the things that we were screwing up in quad two. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, because 
<laughs> we're having the opposite conversations, right? Uh, for, for pretty much everyone on this panel in terms of our speakers in regards to things going up and that not getting to a loan of the risk range so that you can buy it. Uh, I mean, we're experiencing that kind of with, with, with gold a little bit here uh, recently, but you know, it was like, how do I step into something? And you know, now it's like, okay, was never getting to the top end of the risk range uh, for me to short it. Um, so anyway, but yeah, no, you're, you're hit the nail on the head. And then, you know, there's also a lot of folks, like I see Gavin's out there and, you know, Jimmy's an IA and, uh, there's many, many, you know, Corey, again, I'm just seeing some folks quickly that, that are like Corey's an investment advisor. There's a lot of great investment advisors, other side asset management was just on Mitchell. Um, so again, there's some, some really great investment advisors across the country that deploy the agile process and, and they do so, um, rigorously and uh and 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 it's and so again if you need help trying to find somebody to, to chris's point if you can't have the time you know um you'll know, carve out some if you want to carve out some of that capital and, and and give it to somebody who's a professional by all means that's one option and the other is to your point chris uh you know being flat aka coming out of this at zero uh, just just like in 2022 is uh, definitely going to be a massive outperformer and you're going to have a lot less uh, anxiety in terms of are my shorts up or down or what have you um, or, or you know is my, my consumer staples performing the way that they should and yeah that's a really good statement man the the website is a hair hard to navigate and we know that but but it's not impossible and I will say that I joined in, in I know uh, Chris you've gone I think you were 2018 when you joined, um, might have been 2017, but uh, I was March 2020. And what I will say from my time there is like, if you are new, Coach did a lot of coaching uh, during the macro show, uh, during the, those kind of months during COVID, because there's a big influx of, of new subscribers. And, and for, for many reasons, obviously one quad four and, and two, just, you know, people staying at home and kind of furloughed, blah, blah. But the... Uh, but those many of those macro shows are are really are, uh, certainly how I learned and cut my teeth and then going back in time and reviewing certain uh, components like Chris said right if you see on you know going back in history right if something was a quad four environment or quad two or quad three you can go back and review uh, I love personally I love going through the early looks I, I know Chris I think you're compiling some things there but um, I, I love going through the early looks because it gives you a great uh, yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm a visual guy, but in terms of like consumption, I think I'm a bit, a bit certainly a bit more of a reader. And uh, and so I love the early looks because it can be a bit more of a con condensed synopsis as to what's going on and certainly the mentality of, of you know, what is trying to be communicated to institutional investors as well as obviously um, the retail investor as well. So, yeah, good, good call out there, Chris. All right, so we're um, we're moving on to almost the hour mark. I see Gavin's out there. He hasn't joined in a hot minute. I don't know if you can talk, Gavin, but you're obviously welcome to jump up as well. Uh, but why don't we open this up here? We've got a great, uh, great uh, few speakers. Uh, Jimmy, I know you joined. You haven't really said anything yet, but welcome, my, my man. Uh, you're out on the West Coast, and appreciate you dialing in. Uh, is there if there's any questions out there? By all means, please pop up. We can attack them. But in the meantime, what's going yeah, on, Robert? In the meantime, I was going to just kind of pass it over to Jimmy. We so Jimmy, we've talked. Uh, I know you kind of joined a little late, so we've talked Europe, we've talked U.S. equities, we've talked um, 
uh, volatility. Excuse me. Um, we touched briefly on, on commodities, but if you got anything there, we can uh, dive into it. I know last week, I think it was last week or maybe the week before you, you brought up uh, Bitcoin and, and related kind of entities. That was a great call out. So uh, well done. You've got a knack for, for sniffing out some of the uh, higher beta names, Jimmy. Higher beta inventory. <laughs> you got a knack for the higher this, beta This is the year. Inventory. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, this is the year of the rabbit. So now that uh, Playboy is officially out of uh, the RTA long box and people will stop asking questions about that, which uh, Coach has been very clear about, maybe there's a, a dead cat bouncer to, to be had. Um, but uh, really, I've been just kind of following Keith, you know, on his signals. It's, I think, with volatility as low as it has been, um, I've tried, especially this bounce compared to August compared to even October to be just a little bit more paid to give myself some ammo and not to think that, you know, every, I'm going to get it right, right. That the first bullet is always the top and just give myself a little room. Um, I've tried to run closer to neutral, which is saying a lot because in my Roth and in my long only accounts, I have, you know, I'm bag holding some small caps, but I also have longer duration and I have a long bias generally towards my investments there. So, um, it's been, um, you know, th th this last week or two, it's, it's humbling because we, we were just coming, coming off the lows at the end of December. And now here we are, um, looking at things like Bitcoin, you know, holding steady, at 21k, you know, I'm I'm probably got in a little early on the short side there, but um, it's not killing me. And I think three months ago, I probably be, would have been a lot more nervous, where I would have committed two, three, four, five percent of my capital, you know, and trying to be right intellectually that this is quad four. And um, now I'm just being a little bit more steady. But you know, I'm long commodities. I'm short oil. I dabbled around that a little bit. You know, I heard coach talk about getting back to the short side on WTI. Um, again, you guys probably pointed this out. It felt right at the spot this morning. Um, I was actually dropping my daughter off to school on the West coast. I came back and I saw the, the market puked. I, I don't know if something happened, but maybe we just ran out of short covers, ran out of buyers. No, so there were fed, fed statements that came out, Jim. Ah, Manu. See, now I have to take a look. I'm, I'm behind schedule from all of you guys, but um, my my short book was thankful for that. <laughs> it's been a couple of days. Um, I'm I'm just gonna hang out in the queue here. Uh, I, I got. I guess we have a lot to talk about, but um, I'm back to my desk, and um, you know, we got earnings season now, so that that's quite important. I do I do think that the fourth quarter earnings spin is real. I think companies typically tend to sandbag for the year ahead and given that there's a healthy dose of conservatism baked into the buy side if it's not in this sell side i don't know that we see these like crash and burn type scenarios where everyone's offside but clearly we're gonna have to in order to get through this year we had to go through it and all the ups and downs and all the fundamental realities that's this recession so um I'm going to stay tuned, but I'm, I'm itching for quad two. 
more than anyone else. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Chris, Chris the, is right on the money. Meme I Dude, put in Chris. the tweetness about that. Uh, yeah. The meme time for US equities, you know, first time the bulls saying <laughs> that Fed pivot's going to come, so they're going to try to grab it. Then the earnings come in and the economic reality set in, so they realize that they're chasing the highs. So, That's right. no, I totally agree with you. Yeah, sometime eventually quad two will come because uh, I know people keep saying that the layoffs are just for the tech sector and the broader economy is still having shortage of labor. But it's just a matter of time when things catch up, right? Uh, if top of the pyramid earners stop earning, you know, this is what happened during the finance recession initially in 2007 and then 2008, where folks earning in finance, almost like what the tech workers earn today, right? So where in the world does a developer earn in general outside of Silicon Valley tech uh, $800,000 for um, 15 years of experience? Nowhere. <laughs> it's almost akin to what analysts were making back in 2007, right? Uh, so tech is like the new finance and if tech hits recession, eventually, you know, their spending kind of curtails and that kind of starts leading into or dripping into the rest of the economy. And of course, you know, Folks like Satya Nadella would say that, okay, other companies need tech talent so they can absorb the tech that we are shedding. And by the way, they started shedding their tech today. Uh, they, it, it was planned that on 18th uh, would be the first shedding by them and by Amazon. It wasn't by coordination or anything. It was just the way they had planned out that they didn't want to let go of people during the holidays or whatever, uh, although some tech companies did. But you know, Microsoft had scheduled it for like 18th of January, then next batch at 25th. By the way, that's my baby saying hello to the Hedge Nation. <laughs> Trent, 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 I was just going to say, I absolutely love hearing the baby in the background, man. It is like so perfect in more ways than you. Yeah, it's just so beautiful, buddy. I'm, I'm well, first of all, it's so grateful that you take the time to be on at 5.30 because I know uh, otherwise that's family time, but uh, also just really cool to have the baby in the background, man. Trent, your, your, your point on the the tech thing is totally on point, you know, and, and all my data is anecdotal, but I know a lot of my colleagues and friends, they were living off the SBC for a while. You know, these guys came in, joined in the early 2010s, in the first half of the last decade and you know they've made tremendous amounts of money on their stock options and their grants but that's coming the other way mm -hmm. so whether you're in finance whether you're in tech you know i went from making 250 to i made fifteen thousand dollars last year and i'm so proud of me starting my own little business you know trying to get it off the ground but that doesn't pay the bills. So I, I think you will see a lot of that roll through in 2023 where um, a lot of the wealth effect, a lot of the the right sizing of some of these things that have been going on for, for a decade um, will start to catch up. And uh, we're just going to have to digest the information as it comes. Yeah, and just yeah, to uh, broaden what uh, Jimmy was saying, uh, if people need data points, then don't go to Glassdoor. Go to this website called levels.fii so l-e-v-e-l-s.fii and you'll find how much does a say a technical program manager make or how much does a, a software developer make or how much does a, a engineering manager make the numbers that they get are ginormous um, meaning 
they wouldn't increase their base and bonus. Those are comparable to what a classic Fortune 100 company would pay. But the amount of RSUs that they get are just insane. Just to give you an example, uh, one of my team members quit recently um, because he got a job with Google despite of what the condition is in the market, uh, with 15 years of experience, this person got a regular base and bonus of about like 240 base with 20% bonus if all the company targets are met. You know, comparable to any Fortune 100 company. But the stock grant that this person got were $900,000 over a period of four years, not equally spread out. Google gives a slightly different way, 33% first year, 33 next. So his first year annual comp, if the stock stays sideways, is going to be humongous, almost like 550. There's no reason this person wants to work anywhere but <laughs> Google. And this person is going to go from being like a people manager to being just an individual contributor. But uh, he's happy because he's getting all that stock grant. Now, to elaborate what Jimmy was trying to explain was... Let's say if you were a similar person who joined Google last year with that kind of a stock grant, uh, by the time you got vested, um, you have already lost close to 33, 34% of what you got in the stock grant. So out of your $900,000, you lost $300,000. In some cases, you would have also lost some money because you paid taxes when you were getting vested. So those are some of the dynamics. And Jimmy, you might want to touch upon the taxation and the vesting kind of aspect because that would help people understand uh, what the impact is. It's not just the jobs. You know, when one Silicon Valley worker loses a job, it's like eight or 10 jobs around them that could easily get lost. So Jimmy, back to you. 100%. Um, speaking of that multiplier effect, I got a great book. I think it's from... Um, Actually, I had to go downstairs and grab it for you. It's called like the new economy of, of jobs. This, this was published, you know, maybe almost a decade ago at the when Silicon Valley was taking off. But like for every knowledge worker, you have accountants, laundromats, restaurants, you know, there, there's a whole multiplier effect to these economies where you have five or six additional jobs that are created. And, you know, having spent so much time in the real estate industry, this is probably the first time in recent history where we're looking at the other side of urbanization, the other side of this, you know, tech boom and what it means for a lot of these, you know, former darlings of real estate. And so that's, again, some of these are more medium to longer term trends that have to be felt out over, over time. Um, but again, coming back to the, the comp side, it's like, you know, people lived beyond their means for a long time. And when the market was going up, you could reliably cash out of your stock grants, of your RSUs. And, you know, you were paying, you were paying tax. Um, a lot of the times, if you were working at a startup and you were giving certain types of RSU grants, you had to pay tax to get it in the first place. Or it would be kind of baked into your comp where you would have to sell some of your tax, you know, sell some of your RSUs just to pay the tax on them. But nevertheless, if you were getting a hefty paycheck and you're getting all this bonus, um, you know, you have lifestyle inflation. So then you got family, you got kids, 
And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how consumer spending for the, let's say, the top one third trends over the next year or two. Yeah, and I've shared in the Twitness again, the popular Seattle gym, which closed down because of mass tech layoffs with both Microsoft and Amazon. And in addition, so this is a physical gym, okay? This is not like an app where somebody is trying to... (laughs) No, no, no. I I take advantage of an app. uh, That's why I'm saying because... I do have an app called Future. It's a great app. And that's an asset light business, right? Because the trainer is somewhere remote. Uh, I am somewhere remote. Uh, you know, where I live, I do have a gym in my, you know, at my own disposal. So I can do it whenever I need. But this is a actual gym that closed down. And it didn't close down because of some after effects of COVID, right? COVID led to close down and bankruptcy of many gyms, including New York Sports Club that I used to go to. Uh, or, you know, Equinox was also on a almost verge of bankruptcy, but got saved. Um, so this is an actual gym that sustained during the post-COVID impact and yet uh, was closed down. Uh, the the darker side of the RSU that Jimmy was saying, if anybody wants to get a sense of the mood or the kind of melancholy that people are having right now, there's a really great website called Team Blind. So think of it like a 4chan for tech workers where people are anonymous, but they're verified and they do, uh, I mean, half of that is shit posting, but then remaining half is like people literally discussing things like, hey, you know, I'm about to interview for XYZ company. Can you help me in terms of like, how should I think about preparing? And these are not easy interviews, right? Also, people would think about, you know, discuss about, hey, what is your uh, total compensation? In fact, it went that fervor went to such a degree last year that if you did not, for any question that you're posting, if you did not post your total comp, people would not respond to you or people would just literally say TC or GTFO, you know, meaning post your total comp or get the fuck out of here, <laughs> which is crazy. So it gives you a sense of how shit posting worked there. But when you looked at some of those numbers and when you cross verified it with levels.fi, which does a substantiation, those are ginormous numbers. And that led to massive attrition of people going from non-tech to tech. And unfortunately, some of those people who went from non-tech to tech were the first ones to be cut off by the tech industry. So um, absolutely important. Uh, and, you know, those are a couple of resources. If you want to just take a look, Levels.fii for knowing the comp of tech workers and team blind to getting a sense of the melancholy that all of these workers are living under. They're constantly living under some sort of insecurity and some sort of job threat and um, particularly more so for folks who are on their work visas or something right if they're if they're if they're if they don't have that thing to worry about then it's working out well for them but for folks who are on their work visa they're just constantly under threat and they're curbing their spend like it's no tomorrow (laughs) chris i I know you had a cheeky british comment so i'm gonna pass it <clears throat> no, I was just going to say you are lending against your Google shares and buying crypto, and that's obviously not happening either. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew it was something cheeky, <laughs> but just like that's awesome. I haven't used I'm, I, I used it for the first couple of days, and then since I've kind of been locked out, I'm obviously not in the uh, I'm not in the click, or I'm or I don't have the API set up properly to get access to it, but. I guess one of those things is like instead of employing a thousand um, 
a thousand developers on 500 grand a year, whether that's split with comp and whatever else, you could just have 10 super Jedi developers and pay them $5 million each and just use chat GPT, right? Oh, I believe that would be an option. Are they all, I mean, like, are all these jobs going to come back? Uh, I, I would, uh, I, I would push back against that. I've used chat GPT a lot just for experimentation and the accuracy is not there. I know, no, um, I know, I know that, but I mean, like between then and now, if you're staring at having to like re-employ some of these people on the comps that you're talking about, you're going to yeah. do as much as you can to go the other way. Right. It's no, it's, yeah, yeah, agreed. And also, a lot of that comp will be moved to low-cost cost centers, right? So what other Fortune 100 companies do in the non-tech ones, they typically tend to go to other countries like Philippines, Ukraine, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, wherever they could set up low-cost cost centers, right, For or Argentina or LATAM if they want the same time zone. Uh, and uh, especially for uh, functions such as testing, or automated testing, right? Like DevOps or those kind of things. All of those aspects and operational aspects are being done from there. So for example, how did uh, Twitter get rid of so many employees and yet keep functioning? That was because, first of all, they put curbs on their new project because if you look at any tech company, right? There's the build side for building new features. And then there's a run side, which is to keep stable what's already built or maybe enhance it a little bit. So most of these companies are putting curbs on their new projects at first. In extreme cases such as Twitter, they're almost topping most of the enhancement unless it goes through some sort of governance. Uh, and for the run side, they're getting rid of headcount because headcount tends to come with a lot of um, benefits. You know, typically the multiplier is at around like 35%. So if if the total comp is $100, then they have to pay 135 and to answer your question about ChatGPT, I think ChatGPT is simply a representational uh, tool built on top of decades of artificial intelligence, uh, which is built out by Google. So specifically, you know, if you see how Bing is created, Bing was created on top of Google because they couldn't uh, they couldn't be as accurate. They couldn't get uh, that level of relevancy, etc. Um, so ChatGPT is simply an application which is giving you a good representation on top of that uh, indexing which Google has done, or the uh, or the uh, uh, or the decades of neural networks and the accuracy that uh, Google has built. So um, I think from a standpoint of Google being replaced, it would be different uh, to. To answer your question specifically, or rather comment specifically about the uh, replacement of developers, I think in web scale companies, the kind of skills that are required are very different than somebody trying to do a scrappy startup. So if somebody's trying to do a scrappy startup, for them, ChatGPT is an extremely good tool, which helps them to get pieces of code from across the web in order to build out their websites. But when you're building web scale companies, such as Google or, or you know others, ChatGPT is difficult to help them. So if there were any sort of jobs which could be replaced by ChatGPT, I think these people get pipped out anyway. So PIP stands for the Performance Improvement Plan, uh, especially in places like Amazon. That's a very big uh, 
culture of pipping out uh, performers or people who were mishired, uh, especially during this this type of economic cycle, they would pip them out constantly, uh, even regardless. Who would have thought that we'd be talking developers and chat chat GBT on the weekly notebook review? But I am bloody loving it right now uh thank you trend and chris for both your comments jimmy as always it's a pleasure uh arthur came up i have a feeling he's going to talk hyg because he's the hyg man uh or or becoming to be well known as such (laughs) but maybe he's going to surprise us tonight and then i do have two questions from twitter that i do want to touch on as well that i think the panel is going to be uh it should, should should spark some good convo but arthur um, welcome. Always a pleasure, buddy. Hey, thanks for uh, bringing me up. Can you hear me? Uh, okay, yes, we can. Cool. Absolutely. I just want to make a comment. Um, bring it back to today. Um, don't ever, at least I don't ever underestimate the market's ability to create a new narrative. Okay. Never. Um, had a good day, but if you weren't following Keith today in the process and covering some shorts and getting into some longs, um, you know, that's incrementally based on the risk range and based on the quads and the assets that, you know, pertain to those quads. That's the flow. It's it, And someone, I jumped on late, but someone brought up the analogy of a sports team. It's kind of, it's kind of like football and rhythm. I mean, when I'm trading my book during the day, you know, I can get out of rhythm or I can get in a really good rhythm. I mean, and today was one of those days, you know, they don't happen every day where, you know, where's volatility? What bucket are we in? Okay. Don't ever underestimate the ability of this market to come up with something to protect themselves one way or another. I mean, there's so many, there's 5.2 million puts at 390 max pain, this market's not going to crash until those puts are taken out this week. So you, you got to just just remember the, the basics of the process. And I will never cease to be made safe for the third time. They'll come up with something. I don't know what it is. No, no one here probably knows what it is. It'll be some narrative about something. And they'll run this thing, you know, just like they did in 22, a half a dozen or more times. So stick with that process. Today was a great day. I was covering. I was adding cores, minimum, you know, and, and just if you can keep in that zone, and it's literally a zone, um, you know, we're all going to do really good this year. That's all I wanted to say is make that comment. No, awesome comment, Arthur. Um, I, I, I'm gonna... I just wanted to add on that, Rob, if I may. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So real quick, I wanted to add today um, to add to what Arthur said, uh, Mark Hood has made an interesting comment at the 12.30 p.m. Uh, Eastern uh, you know, session, which he had with the retail team. Um, and it was an interesting comment. He said that, you know, short selling is not for everybody, mm-hmm. right? Because you can get absolutely destroyed in short selling and that's you know absolutely true because what sometimes may happen and you know Keita shared his uh experience with shorting reebok and the bloody company getting bought out um leading to a pretty significant hole uh, no matter what position sizing you do let's say if you had the short size at two percent of your book 
and suddenly somebody comes in at a 50% premium, you have, you have a hundred basis points hold to plug. Uh, then you have to find five other ideas that will try to, uh, help with that. So, uh, sizing the short side size, you know, side is not easy. And I'll, I'll share, you know, my, uh, my, uh, experience with similar experience with, uh, uh, another stock, and that was Netflix. You know, this was when <clears throat> um, Carl Icahn jumped in um, to save Netflix. He bought a whole bunch of stock uh, through calls. The stock started ripping because it was a short covering, and it had reached almost like 100 plus levels, which is different compared to the 100 today because uh, it the stock got split several times. Uh, but at that point of time, I was dead sure this stock is not going, uh, you know, above. And lo and behold, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, I held that short position for almost seven or eight months. Uh, this was a long time ago. I think this was somewhere in 2014 or 2015. Uh, and, you know, it started at just like 50 basis points of the portfolio, but it quickly became like a 150 basis point hole because the stock literally tripled from there. So just wanted to share a similar pain point, like what Keith shared about Reebok, that short selling is not for everybody. And since then I've evolved my mechanisms to uh, go short. I try to use put debit verticals mostly with some time on my hands. So that way, uh, eventually when the market moves as well as position sizing wise, uh, my risk is defined. So just wanted to share that with everybody uh, and building off of uh, what Arthur said that if short selling uh, is uh, is not something, and also what Chris said, right? Uh, if short selling is something which you haven't done in the past, this is not the time to learn. Maybe you might want to learn about what's coming up later on the other side. Back to you, Rob. If I can just jump in quick. I mean, and, and another thing to add yeah, on to that too, Trend, is, I mean, if you're going to get into the game of having a long short book and you're going to have some shorts, it should be half the size of your longs. We know all the basics. I mean, I hope some of us are still learning, but that's one of the basics. Um, you get a profit on a short. I mean, you take it. I mean, you just take it. Um, I mean, I've seen Keith a few times uh, and I've been around this thing for over a dozen years. And uh, in this kind of a market, I can't remember what he covered today, but something, I mean, he actually had a, you know, very, very small, but a, you know, even a tiny loss on it just to move the inventory because he saw something better. And, you know, to hodl a short is just, you're just putting a gun to your head. So you got to keep the inventory moving all the time if you're running a, a, a long short book. And if you haven't got the time or the experience or whatever, then I would highly recommend just don't do it or do it in a paper account until you can see, you know, the kinds of predicaments you can get yourself in. It took me a long time to get to a point where, uh, you know, uh, that I could move and keep in that flow um, and, and make decent money running a, a long short book. So I just wanted to come in and say that because today everyone's, you know, kumbaya, you know, big down day, shorts are working, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Time out. <laughs> We're still in the chat bucket. 
And again, I don't know what it will be. Yeah, I mean, the Vicks, Vicks closed at 20 in yeah, range, right? Yeah. 20 spot 3 3. Like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're definitely not like this. Is, <laughs> this is not 30F, but it's not 35. No, Vicks that's a whole, and, and right, and that's bucket. the key thing there, too, right? If it was, if it yeah, was yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. No, that, that, it, that's when our shorts are going to be up go. like 40. Absolutely. Yeah, no, like okay. 20, 15%. Okay, I'm good. But yeah, no, that, that's that's going to be like, hey, let's pop some champagne <laughs> over. This is just like, hey, this is, is everything's cool, right? We, we, we won the fight or we won the game. Finally won a game after a couple day losing streak, right? A couple game losing streak. Uh, but don't, uh, Arthur, please don't, if you don't mind, uh, I'd love for you to keep uh, stay up here for for a minute or for for a little bit because this next question is a good one and it's a great segue. Um, it's from Investing Perspective, and the question is, what do you think of shorting FEZ, so Europe and Ulta? Coach does not like it given trend. Now I'm going to expand on that and say. Doesn't like it because of the trend signal. Both of those are, are, I believe, have shifted. At least Ulta, he said on the call today, was bullish trend, um, and I believe Fez as well. We'll, we'll we could dovetail that to DAX, um, just where we know that is bullish trend. Uh, but I would love to kind of propose that question to the speakers on here in terms of, okay, you know, if the really those two are kind of like fundamentals or longer term, we see the data um, on the on the horizon that would indicate. You know, price is going lower. However, near-term momentum and the signal is against you. So, you know, I, I actually really love this question because we've got Trend and Chris, um, who both um, kind of approach things from definitely a signal perspective. And then, uh, yeah, just I think this is a great question. So, Palmer's got his hand raised, and I'll go to you first. Uh, with with regards to Europe, um, I just see this as is kind of a counter trend rally. Um, I know Keith's signal has changed, but I mean, I'm struggling to see how, if we're looking at job losses here with the inflation or cost pressures we've seen, how in the hell Europe is going to magically end up in a bull market is just beyond my belief. And I'm, you know, I, I use leverage ETFs. I'm, I'm max position EPP and I'm down a little bit on it, but I don't really care. I'm, I'm holding on to it right now. So, I mean, hey, you guys, we're sitting in a bar. There's a bunch of there's there's half a dozen you know women there, and uh, you're a hot guy, and you're gonna. Europe's the ugly one, okay? Why go there? There's so many. That's the thing about hedge. You got you got a global go anywhere strategy. <laughs> there's so many things to do out there. I mean, I appreciate the question. I would look at, obviously, the signal is, in my mind, the most important thing. And, you know, you got to wait for that to get, you know, get in a position where it's, you know, changing, you know, out of bullish. I mean, it could be a fake, you know, it could be a fake signal there. We might get a neutral within, who knows? Um, And it could happen. You keep your eye on it. But to do anything there today other than just watch it. I'm gonna go get the blonde in the corner with in the corner with the big blue eyes. So that's what <laughs> that is a perfect analogy and exactly my. That's how that's where I live in terms of that cop. Right? It's it is a good question, especially for somebody who because. Uh, but the signal trumps everything else, and, and Arthur, you're you're spot on there. And I think the 
and, and that's exactly right, right? There's just so much other inventory that is actually uh, bearish trend um, that you can, and, and that's been at the top end of the risk range. And therefore you, you've got a lot of, uh, so, I mean, again, like REITs is a good example, right? It's, it's been bearish trend, uh, XLE turned like neutral in the last day or two, but you know, that's been, you know, we've talked about XOP on here on this call. I think that was even last week. And there's just so much inventory out there that uh, why go bang your head and try to almost be intellectually right. Uh, again, I, I, I do think I, I do have some Europe shorts on, but those were put on um, <clears throat> when that signal remained kind of at least bearish in, uh, from what I, I was seeing. And then uh, and I just haven't, you know, I, I kind of like, I personally like giving it a little bit of time and space to sort of either confirm this bullish component, right? In regards to, in regards to, uh, yeah, again, just like a couple of days of, of the, of DAX being bullish trend, which I know it's been a couple of days now. So I am kind of like transitioning the hair on, uh, on the European side, but I do have those on currently. So I, I kind of sit a bit in, in Palmer seat. And I, tr I know trend earlier in the call, he said that he's got some Europe, European shorts on as well. Uh, but the signal is changing and, and you can't just ignore that. So, you know, there, there comes a yeah. point where sometimes you just got to take those losses and reposition because you might be able to get, you know, better pricing down the road with a different signal, or you just go pivot to something that's actually going to, you know, make you, you know, potentially make you some money with, uh, with better or weaker signal strength, aka bearish trend. So I'd like to uh, bring two quotes here. You know, first is, you're in the market to make money, not to be right, right? And then the second one is um, that the markets can stay rational more than you can stay solvent. So I don't know who originated both those quotes, so I can't really reference the original authors, but uh, definitely- Two great quotes, though. <laughs> and, and relevant to this question, right? So yeah. at some point of time when my threshold for those uh, Europe short options, you know, put vertical options that I have get triggered, which is typically 50% um, of those positions, I'd be just, uh, you know, completely clinically getting out of them, not necessarily building on that position while the signal is bullish. The second part is I also want to share uh, a specific research material on this, which was done several decades ago, uh, which mentioned about uh, the fact that, you know, when Pharma French came up with the with their famous three-factor model, uh, there was one more gentleman who got added to that uh, Pharma French list, uh, and they eventually added the momentum-related factor that along with your fundamental aspects and the fundamental factors that you have. Momentum, if you add that, then that helps you in terms of uh, enhancing your alpha. So, of course, this was done a while back and uh, that alpha has whittled away because it's popularly signaled and everybody knows about it. But today, the factor uh, game that is played is kind of much more dynamic and advanced than what they studied in the markets from the 70s and the 80s. Um, so what I wanted to definitely add is, this is also, uh, Rob, this is also in the Hedge University, right? That the signal also should be there because that that is the behavioral aspect. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted to just request the gentleman or uh, lady who, who asked this question about just checking out Hedge University once again, uh, trying to 
check out about this behavioral aspect and then eventually deciding that okay if you want to go alta and fez uh, positions or uh, which is counter trend meaning uh, not counter trend price action but counter trend uh, in terms of what they are trying to do they're trying to fade the uh, fade the price motion then is that the best opportunity that they got because there's almost 8000 plus stickers right which they can trade and uh, something you know if you apply the fundamental filter come down to probably like 10% of that maybe 800 and if they apply fundamental plus the signal filters then it might come down to like a 150 or a 200 kind of a bucket or basket i think that sounds like a more plausible or more sane strategy uh instead of just trying to fade the new highs um and the third point i wanted to add was when something is making new highs there are these breakout traders um who have proven uh trend strategies right trend following traders they just buy the new high uh, especially when they break out at some specific threshold say 100 week new high 200 week new high or 100 day new high with a 5% stop loss so there are there's an army of these CTAs who tend to chase some of these new high sort of situations so you need to be aware that the flow might be against you sometimes when you try to get into these kind of uh for you know fundamental fight so fundamental is one aspect but you need to also be conscious about the behavioral aspect respect the signal and then uh explore other opportunities where everything is aligned for you back to you yeah let me let me just play this out a little bit right so i for the person let's so, so let's say the dax or ewgs at the top end of the range and you know uh, europe's been a good short but um so so you took it and you're short in it and all of a sudden boom you find yourself losing some money and it made a higher high what i find i mean my what i what i would do there is i'm out okay because yeah you can sit there hold it and hope and you know maybe she'll come back and all these things and you know relevant to what trend just said these uh, momentum traders and stuff i get that off my books i'm not looking at it anymore and it's gone and psychologically behaviorally it just puts me in a better place cuz there's a lot of things to do so i just wanted to kind of throw that in there it's as a way that if something doesn't go your way and of course now it's changed you know signal gone to neutral um uh still it's just i just find that get like keith had one today you know i don't want to look at that one anymore <laughs> i mean that's kind of what i'm saying that i think it was the vxx or what it is yeah yeah, yeah yeah so i mean that would be my two senses is and if you feel for whatever reason feel i shouldn't use that word but you know you made a mistake just get out of move on there's all kinds of opportunity one thing i've i learned um it was kind of hard to learn is there's always going to be another opportunity always no oh, there you go yeah there's a i think keith i keith often says and probably it's pretty common knowledge or common phrase but uh a small loss is better than a large loss right so um you know if you just, if it's just not working for you if you just whatever you know it's just it's good to just kind of pivot and and move on um i did that today in in psp and in, in private equity uh, i put that on you know mid to late last week and broke even on it. it was literally 0.00 on the trade and um 
and but it hit my stop loss uh, yesterday, I think it was. Um, so there was a portion of the trade that was the loss, uh, but the other half was uh, we came out break even, and so it is what it is, right? It just was uh, poor timing. I had it in there, and um, it, it again, it's, it's whether I come back to it or not, or I just pivot to somewhere else. But it, it, that's one of the, those things where. Uh, exactly what you said, Arthur. Right? It just, it just needed to get off my book. Like, it was like minuscule amount. It wasn't working for me. And just get, get, get it, get it. Well, Robert, uh, I don't want, I don't want to let you down, but you know, I got, <laughs> I got to say this. Okay, um, HYG's not been working for me. Okay, <laughs> and um, I, I covered some today. I mean, it was up today. You know, the market tanking. You know, going into earnings recession. I mean, I don't know how in the hell these people are going to recapitalize their debt. I mean, for three times the price that they're currently holding it for. I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? I guess what? You know what? I, I took a little down today. You know, I took some down today. I'm just not going to, you know, I'm not going to have the kind because, you know, I've, I've got a pretty good position in that thing. Yep. Um, timing is going to be critical. I think, you know, you heard the saying, you know, risk happens, happens slowly and then all at once. I think that's the kind of asset where that's going to happen. You know, and it might not happen for six months, might not happen for nine months until we get the GDP and stuff, you know, and you get the April uh, first quarter results are going to be terrible, a lot, a lot worse than this fourth quarter. Get the GDP, you know, co- you know, according to the now cats, you know, negative down a couple, two, three. I mean, okay. You know, so I'm rolling those out. I'm not, you know, but, but I did take some off and I'll roll them out, but, there's an example right there. And and to that effect, I do want to uh, build on top of that, right? Uh, there are a few uh, factions within the investment banking industry. If everybody saw in investment banking industry, business was down more than 50%, 5 0, 50% across the board, right? Without any exception, be it Jeffries, be it Lazard, the smaller ones or bigger ones like Goldman Sachs, which is, you know, laying off people mostly from investment banking and their platform business. Um, the reason I bring that up is <clears throat> somewhat in a collusional way without really talking with each other, but by signaling these folks, uh, especially for Europe, uh, started, you know, signaling uh, easing sort of situation, even though the central banks of both U.S. as well as Europe are saying that we're going to tighten further, um, had spread the air that uh, uh, they wanted to, you know, they're seeing less bearish scenario. Uh, you know, they're also spreading rumors. So specifically, if you look at HSBC and uh, Goldman Sachs, of all people, uh, they suddenly changed their rhetoric to, uh, around Europe towards being less bearish. Also, if you heard Jamie Dimon, he was kind of more constructive and less bearish. This is not with an intent of any sort of Fed pivot or anything. It's because they're extremely lucrative business of investment banking, you know, and I'm not talking about just the equity IPO where they charge 7%, but even the debt side, they were unable to have good assurances. And suddenly, voila, if you saw the first 10 days and first 10 calendar days of January, Europe suddenly had record assurances in bonds. Now, what are the odds, right? Their sales, and there's supposed to be a firewall between their sell side as well as their uh investment banking side to not influence each other. But this is clearly, you know, happening. We're seeing that. And I'm not here to create some tinfoil conspiracy theory sort of a situation uh, or trying to spread that. But 
it's an interesting data point to observe that who does easing monetary not monetary easing uh conditions in financial conditions mechanism help it is primarily the investment bankers who want to issue debt and arthur to your point you don't know how to time that hyg or jnk uh debt spiral situation for some of these companies so definitely um it happens gradually and then suddenly as mark twain put it with respect to losses or with respect to risk uh and from that standpoint i would say that uh something to watch but when the momentum or the signal accelerates that might be the great time to act or you could act by having really long term options in these uh and constructing that position in that fashion instead of having direct shorts because keep in mind hyg and jnk uh jnk at least gives out monthly dividends i don't know about hyg i haven't looked at its dividend schedule but jnk literally gives out monthly dividends and what that means is that there are these dividend stripping funds you know event driven funds sort of or special uh situation funds they tend to jump in few days prior to dividend you know tends to drive up the price and then they get out right after the dividend or you know they'll get out even on the day of the ex dividend just before the ex dividend so that way they're not really capturing the dividend but they're capturing the run up in the price uh so they there there's those two categories of folks who are jumping in to do that so uh wanted to make everybody aware that there are some of those slow mechanics happening some of these issuances related incentives that some of these banks have in order to spread these um this sort of an air that hey we're going to have easing financial conditions back to europe thanks but just just go ahead, just quickly if i could um just to take it back specifically to like europe is i don't know when keith started changing how he talked about things and talking more about inventory but like if just as an example in ewg or whatever if you've i know keith always talks about basis points of capital and stuff but if you've lost $1000 or $10 or $100,000 in ewg it doesn't mean you have to make that $100,000 back in ewg it's not it's not like right ewg is just my game now like it's hurt me so now i need to get it back it's it's just a bit of inventory that's that's all it is it's just a position you took whatever the reason was that you took the position we're now whatever 5 days 10 days 100 days further along in the game and the reasons are different now and everything's all probable everything's probabilistic so you have a range of probabilities around the quad that then compounds with the range of probabilities around the trend of the individual asset and then once either one of those changes your outcome changes because the probability changes so yeah that that's it like something's changed it's gone bullish so like like that's it if people people talk all the time on the arena about stop losses and think and things like that and well the trend's changed so for me personally like that's that's a stop loss that's it it's bullish now so any if if you try and like i said taking it back to 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 the start of my comment if you're now trying to beat ewg as that example by trying to short it because you know you know in inverted commas that you're right because hey we're in quad four well your your distribution of probabilities is completely different from what it was 5 days ago 
Matt doesn't lie. <clears throat> no, that's a it's a really good point. And the <clears throat> yeah, and and for me, so you use trend, which is perfectly uh, a okay. I I use percentage, so I typically put my stop loss around twelve percent, but the trend will absolutely impact that. So I'll. I've moved that significantly lower um, on all pretty much all European shorts because of that trend change uh, in the last week. Because I just want to give it a little, as I mentioned, just want to give it a little bit of time to breathe. But to, like again, to to each their own. That's why it's the process. I think as well when when I know you said that earlier about giving things space to breathe, but not but not but Keith does that too. So. He said he gives things two or three days. So if whatever, if it's the DAX, if that changed trend, then Keith's already given it two or three days. So if you give it another two or three days, and then we're like a week down the we're a week down the road now, and looking at some of the That's... looking at some of the crazy shit like up until today that moved, how much they moved in a week. You know that bullshit that, that bullshit basket. Some of those things were moving like thirty percent in a week. So. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. It's a good point. Hi, Chris. I guess I'm out of Europe tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, that's a really good point. That's actually it's a really good point. And yeah, you're seeing me. See, this is conversations with Chris uh, that often happen, but uh, typically they're on a one on one, and he'll just like say something, and then I just start thinking about it, and I really just go quiet, and, and then he's like, you still there, buddy? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. I'm just thinking about the comment you said. Uh, that was good. Um, awesome. Okay, so I'm going to have to noodle on that later tonight because I clearly um, should be changing my positioning on Europe. Uh, so the last question, again, I know we're pushing almost an hour and a half here or a little bit more than that, but our uh, last question is around notebook setup. And this is from Grant Percy, a uh, good, good friend of the program. And he was asking kind of about visual setup. Chris, I know you and I have talked about uh, notebook setup and really the comment that we always go back towards is just start. Uh, the setup is going to be different for everybody. But I didn't know if anybody, if, if other of you three kind of had any uh, kind of commentary around that. I, ha- I did a beginner's guide, I believe it was two episodes ago, uh, two weeks ago, in terms of um, to start off the year, I kind of walked through a lot of the different um, kind of, you know, items that I roll through from a data standpoint. Um, so that's a good general, uh, you know, general uh, video to review. That would have been episode seven of a beginner's guide in regards to kind of a lot of the data that goes into my notebook and, and that kind of thing. I, I didn't specifically go into the setup of my notebook. Um, but again, you know, the, the question is around the setup, but, it, but I always lean towards the fact that it's kind of a personal situation. Um, but again, I'll, I'll leave, I'll let you three perhaps comment. Arthur, do you, do you track a notebook pretty diligently, buddy, or is it more like journaling, trading oriented? I don't know if you call it a notebook, um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I think it's important you know, if you're following the process to, to, I'm pretty disciplined, right? So every morning, the cup of coffee, you know, start off with, uh, you know, early look and, and the call and et cetera. And I look for real um, unique or things that jump out at me. 
uh, that's happening either during the call, whether it's an individual stock thing or just a comment that Keith makes or and on the macro show, the same thing. You know, I write down the top three things, write my comments in each one of those, and then um, pick up on things that Keith is really calling out uh, during during the macro show. And I fill that all in. I think the most important thing is to make sure you've got a highlighter <laughs> and you keep the notebook open in front of you during the day. That's about all. That's about all I do. Yeah, I think that's a great, great commentary. Chris, I know yours is more on the internet, but Trent, uh, or sorry, yeah, Chris. Um, I know no, you Chris, jar- go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your point. No, I was just going to say, I kind of, I know he's a bit of a jarring character for some, but I kind of stay with um, Jordan Peterson on the fact that I'm, I'm reticent to say even a bad rule is better than nothing, but that's kind of the way it is, right? It's like, just start doing something and then you'll know whether it's right or wrong because if you if you give up doing it, then it's probably wrong, you know, and you need to change it. It's, no matter what you do, I, I guess Gavin's, Gavin's on listen, but you know, it, nobody starts nobody starts as an artist as a painter by painting their best work the first thing that they do right it's in in like anything like bands like bands oh it's an overnight success they've got to number one and it's like yeah but they've been playing in playing to like five or six people in bars with things going on in the background in front of five people you know so just like to that point like just just start doing something because that's the only way you're going to figure out what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, and what Chris is uh, defining is uh, focused on systematic trading. So absolutely essential to have some of those rules. Um, and eventually, you know, there are two ways in which you can validate whether your method is working or not. One is by empirical evidence as you go along. Second is, you know, if you have the time and the bandwidth, then you can backtest it. I know Chris does a lot of that in order to check it out. Um, If you don't have the time and bandwidth, then if through empirical means you want to find out as you go along, uh, there's a less risky way in terms of, you know, doing it in a paper account, trying to understand whether it's working for you or not uh, in parallel with your regular strategy or whichever way you're doing it. So that would help you evaluate that. As compared to your current method, how does this other method work out? And, you know, I run my overall book as a multi-strategy book. So I don't have just one strategy in play. There's multiple strategies, partially because every regime demands a different set of strategy. And uh, one should have a large playbook of strategy, just like how in football, you know, when you're in the last 10 yards and you're trying to get something done, you have different set of strategies. When you're at the start, you have a different set of strategies. So similarly, having a large playbook of strategies and getting some sort of intuition around how does how do those strategies work and which regimes they work, um, you can cultivate that through journaling as you go along. So if you can't do backtest, then you can cultivate something like that through uh, through your trading journal and just, you know, tagging your different trades with, hey, I did this trade because of this strategy or I did this trade because of ETF Pro or I did this trade because of, um, say, RTA. And then, you know, 
the counter trade for that, so the closing trade for that, you can put some reflection in or have some tags in it. So later on, you can run reports that, okay, uh, RDAs don't work for me because I'm a bit late to respond to them and maybe I need to improve how quickly I can respond to them. So maybe I need an app which will alert me immediately, meaning Hijad does have an app just so you know um, and you can get an alert. Uh, this is actually practically from my own learning I'm sharing with you that few years ago, uh, these things used to come in and in form of an email. So when the app was launched, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is great. Uh, you know, it helps me rectify uh, my challenge with the time when the email comes and actually when the execution goes in. Uh, and this is called as the execution cost, right? So the execution cost, when a PM tells the trader that, hey, go long this or go short this, versus when the trader can get to enter it, uh, it's actually measured in the professional world on the buy side uh, in specific ways. Uh, traders tend to be just folks who can execute well. They're not PMs, uh, and PMs don't do the actual trading or execution work. Uh, they always have somebody who will do the execution work for them uh, because there's uh, there's metrics in it that, did you buy this stuff for a bit of time for me below VWAP, right? Did you buy above VWAP? Did you have to chase it? So on and so forth. There's a bunch of metrics which you can learn about later. But the execution cost and all these fine tunings which you can do in your process, you can tag most of your trades with variety of tags and then come up with some sort of reporting that will help you with... Uh, you know, fine-tuning all of these aspects. So step one, as Chris said, start with something where you can develop an intuition. Even a bad rule is a rule, right? Doing something without rules is a classic rookie mistake for traders. They're doing one thing, then that doesn't work. Emotionally, they feel bad about it. They switch to another strategy, they switch to another strategy. So they keep switching strategies and eventually not realizing which strategy perform how over a period of time. So uh, you can run those strategies in paper accounts or you can do backtests as whatever you might be able to do. And then that way you can get a, an intuition what works for you in which regime. Back to you. Yeah, those are three great answers. Um, again, I'll, I'll stick with what I said at the beginning, which it is, it is personal. It really depends on what you're trying to track and, and what is influential into your decision making. So, uh, you know, kind of piggybacking off of all three of those, of, of those, you know, Arthur, you know, to your point, my notebook is absolutely always, you know, open and in front of my, uh, like open it on the desk in front of my computer, right? So I can constantly reference it. I'm sure you've heard me flipping from page to page uh, on this call many, many times. The content there, you know, it, um, it's pretty, con you know, I keep it really consistent on a day-to-day -day basis. It's the, Writing down the risk ranges, um, then notes from the, the you know the the macro show and, and other commentary like like Arthur said in terms of the top three things, um, and then on the other page it's it's stuff uh, that's sticking out to me from a market dynamic standpoint. So uh, you know sector performance, volume, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the different uh, components within like volatility, you know, what's happening there, what's happening on, you know, the eyeball table and anything that's jumping out from that standpoint. And, and yeah, it kind of goes down that list in terms of like basically my morning work in regards to what I'm seeing in the global markets. I think if you're kind of trying to get a, a gist as to 
you know, when you're going through that process, what should be, you know, what not, not should, should's a, a tough word. Um, what is likely important or, or what components uh, could be worthwhile to note in the notebook in terms of um, in, impacting or bettering your decision-making, you know, Keith often does the morning kind of tweet storm uh, that is global macro in nature I would absolutely start there. I think if you start there and you start following, you know, kind of a lot of the components that he's putting out, and then as you get better, uh, you should really be not necessarily front running that, but but certainly as you're doing yours. And this is how I kind of did it: is uh, I reviewed that. Uh, you know, that's my first introduction to Keith was via his tweet kind of morning tweet it was sort of a thing that, that and then i discovered hedge eye then you know uh, things took off after that but i would purposely not check twitter for an hour or so and i still i still do that um and so when and and that that way i i knew that as i was going through my prep work in the morning uh you know was there something that i noticed that keith didn't mention right and so at that point in time, it's like, okay, well, is there a reason for that? But then maybe you would cover it in the macro show. And then, uh, but then there's other things like, oh, I missed that XYZ kind of call out from Keith. I don't know, just call it oil or something. And so, yeah, so that's a great way to start, right? In terms of like your morning prep work. But, um, you know, I, I can put together a, a beginner's guide or something like that and uh, do a little bit more streamlined approach or what have you for everybody. But no, it's great getting, you know, Trend and Chris and Arthur's uh, components there and, and uh, their view. So thank you uh, very much, guys, for, for doing that. I really, really do appreciate it. And I think with with that, we'll call it a wrap here on, on a Wednesday night. Thank you, Chris. I know it's getting quite late there in the UK. Trend, uh, we'll get, let you get to your baby and family. So thank you, Arthur, as well, and everybody else you spoke, Palmer. Uh, Mitchell, um, Jimmy, et cetera, et cetera. So thank you everybody for jumping up. We'll be in uh, in Miami next week. Uh, my flight's actually at four, so we may need to kind of move things around next week and uh, make a pivot. So we either will take a week off or move it to Thursday. Uh, I'm thinking we'll probably just move it to Thursday, 4.30, and just do it like a day late. So apologies for that, but just with my, my travel time and, and things like that, you know, I'm noticing that it, folks seem to prefer it after market hours or kind of, you know, in the early evening, um, that kind of thing. But I'm just, I'm just not going to get in on time. So keep uh, I'll keep you guys all posted there. And, uh, and again, thanks for a great evening. Uh, this was a really solid conversation. Uh, I just tweeted out that I thought this was probably – I would, I would get almost guarantee you this is the best conversation from investing, trading, risk management out there on the internet today. And uh, so again, this was just kind of a to me an old school weekly notebook review session where we bounce around topics. And hopefully, you guys all enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Cheers. This presentation is informational only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute investment recommendation or legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended 
intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the terms of service at Hedgeye.com slash terms of service. Don't forget to check out Hedgeye.com to get more actionable investing insights from our team of more than 40 research analysts. And check us out on Twitter at our handle, at Hedgeye.